Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, grant me tenacious courage as I go through this day. When I'm tempted to give up, help me to keep going. Grant me a cheerful spirit when things don't go my way. And give me courage to do whatever needs to be done to bring forth your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's so good to be with you on this beautiful sunny day here in Tennessee. Today, uh, if you could pray for the Democrat, the Delaware State Legislature, because they're trying to break the seal of confession off of Catholic priests, forcing them to reveal what is confessed in the confessional. This would be a travesty. I fear some priests might do it rather than go to jail, but hopefully the vast majority of the priests would go to jail rather than break the seal. They're putting forth legislation to do this as we speak, so ask the Lord to crush that one quickly. And if there are any priests listening, or if you want to convey this to your parish priest, it would be good today to begin uh, making a new confessional that has a wall between the penitent and the priest with a screen that you can't see through and two different entrances. This is what we have at my church. So I go in one door and sit on my side. The penitent goes in the door on the other side and we never see each other. So I never know who it is. And therefore in a court of law, I can honestly say, I do not know who I am absolving on the other side of the screen. It would be a great protection for all priests to do this. Okay. Today, March 16th, the meditation for Lent today is given to us by Father Benedict Nivakov. It was a Benedictine. It's called The Divided Heart. Who would want $10 an hour when he can have 20 for the same work? Who would want an hour with his beloved when he can have two? If we're given the option, we want fullness, completeness, and perfection. In this way, we've been made like God, for he too wants the fullness of our heart, our will, our love. He is fullness. He is complete in himself. In the gospel today, Christ is accused of a divided heart. They say he does the right things, casting out demons, but for the wrong reason, because he has a demon himself. He could have responded by sharing the light within him, as he does at the transfiguration with his disciples. Instead, he mercifully holds back the truth and tries to reason with them. Evil cannot cast out evil. It is we who have a divided heart and not Christ. The great Christian vocation to which we are all called is to be and have an undivided heart. When Christ asserts that whoever is not with me is against me, it is to remind us forcefully that there is really no room for compromise in the call to holiness. This would be extremely discouraging if it weren't for the sacrament of confession. In man's confession of his sins, a divided heart is made whole by the only one who can do that, Jesus Christ himself. Desire for God brings us to heights that fallen humanity on its own would not allow to an undivided heart. 
O God, who knows the weakness of our body and the fragility of our soul, grant that in desiring you evermore this Lent, grace might bridge what sin divides. Today's suggested penance, pray for and give alms to the missions. All right. If you went to Mass today, you would know that the first reading was uh, from uh, Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah. Jeremiah is one of my favorite prophets. Um, he's called the weeping prophet. <laughs> he he was very much lamenting much of his time as a prophet because the people always were after him. They hated him. He was a true prophet. He really only spoke what God told him to say, but he was tormented for it and constantly put in chains and shackles and threatened to be murdered many times. So today he is tasked with once again calling the people to repentance and this time the Lord gives a fairly harsh word and this is what the scripture says from today's mass it's from Jeremiah chapter 7 thus says the Lord this is what I commanded my people listen to my voice then I will be your God and you shall be my people walk in all the ways that I command you so that you may prosper but they obeyed not, nor did they pay heed. They walked in the hardness of their evil hearts and turned their backs, not their faces, to me. From the day that your fathers left the land of Egypt, even to this day, I have sent you untiringly, all my servants, the prophets. Yet they have not obeyed me, nor paid heed. They have stiffened their necks and done worse than their fathers. When you speak all these words to them, they will not listen to you either. When you call to them, they will not answer you. Say to them, this is the nation that does not listen to the voice of the Lord its God, or take correction. Faithfulness has disappeared. The word itself is banished from their speech. Wow, harsh words. To wake up the people. To wake up the people. God has said to them, just walk in my ways that I give you, I command you, and why so you may prosper. He wants his people to prosper. He wants their success. He wants them to uh, be living in all the promises that he had made for them. But they they have to obey him. They're not doing it. When I read this, you know, I thought this nothing has changed in uh, three thousand years because we are so stubborn today too. Probably more so. These people back then, they only had a tiny bit of the scriptures that we have today because the, this is six seven hundred years before jesus even came uh down from heaven as the word that became flesh so they had a limited amount of uh writings from the lord or prophecies or uh, scriptures given through the hands of the prophets but they had enough and and god was speaking directly to them through these prophets and sometimes like with Moses, you know, they could see through the the smoke and the lightning and the and the uh, all the events that took place on the mountain that God was in their presence in their midst. But yet, we who have so much more, we have been convinced that through our great uh, vast intelligence and sophistication, that many of us don't need God anymore. We've just outgrown Him. That was for generations long ago. Oh, how stupid people can be. It reminds me of Paul speaking to the Galatians. Oh, you stupid Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched us? It's a good question. 
because so many people have turned away from the Lord. This is the one and only person who came and died that you could have life. Can you imagine? He did nothing wrong his entire 33 years, never committed one sin, never had an evil thought, was the purest, most humble, most meek, most generous, most loving, most wonderful person that ever walked the planet. And people just turn away from him. They turn their backs on him. So let's go into this a little bit today. Um, just yesterday, we were pondering how great a gift God's mercy it is, that God had spoken to us in his word and his commandments. And Moses exclaimed, for what great nation is there that has God so close to it as the Lord our God is to us? Right? And he's even closer to us now, now that Jesus has bridged the gap between heaven and earth. So, Jesus himself in the gospel said that he came to fulfill the law and said that the greatest in the kingdom would be those who put that word into practice and taught others to do the same. That's our mission, to put his word into practice and teach others to do the same. Just a bit by bit each day, just bending our will to the Lord's, um, asking him for graces to be docile to what he's asking us to do. And the fulfillment of the law leads to the fulfillment of human people. Our fulfillment lies in God. St. Augustine said many years ago, uh, 4th century, um, our soul is at rest until it rests in thee, my God. That's really true. There's a part of us, our soul, that can only be filled by God. And when we don't fill it, we become very restless. And... Um, human beings being what we are, they are always reaching out to try and fill that void. But for people that don't know any better, they try to fill it with other things. Things like lots of pleasure, uh, food, drink, drugs, sex, all the things that people try to uh, take in to give themselves fulfillment, but it's never going to work. You're putting a square peg in a round hole. It's never going to fit. The only thing that fits in your soul is God and his love. And the people that allow God into their soul tend to be the most happy and joyful people, even in the midst of suffering. Even in the midst of suffering. So this is something we should be praying for every day, is that the poor people that don't recognize this fact, that uh, they would have a divine visitation and the Lord in some way would open their hearts to receive what they need and then explain to them that it indeed is his very presence. Because once you experience the Lord, you're forever changed. When you have experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ, you will be a changed person. Many people know about Jesus, but many people have not experienced him alive within their soul. And when you, when you do, nothing can, can compare to that. And when you have that, you're basically fulfilled in him. And then you don't, you don't need to be validated by anybody else. Um, this tends to make people like that very confident in a good way, not in a prideful way. Because they know that they're loved. They know that they were created by love and that um, love desires them and that love awaits their return. I'm paraphrasing uh, St. Josephine Bakita, one of my favorite saints. Um, and and that, that, that's a very wonderful way to walk through life, knowing that you're loved by, by the king, 
by the king. And I tell my students all the time, if Jesus is a king and you are his brother or his sister, what does that make you? The little ones look at me puzzled. The older ones, sometimes they ignore me, but they, they're listening. Uh, and when I say that means you are a prince or a princess of God, well, their eyes get big as saucers. What? How can this be? Nobody's told me I was a princess. I say, yeah, go home and tell your mom and dads that you are a prince and princess of God because Jesus is your brother and he's a king, king of the universe. But we don't often walk in that royal dignity that we've been given. We don't know our identity. So many of us, even some priests, they don't know their identity. And so they're living out of a falsehood. And that creates many problems, not just for you, but for the people around you, for the whole world. We have to start living out of our dignity as royalty. We are royalty. We are princes and princesses of Jesus Christ. What he is by his very nature, we have become by grace. He is a son of God by nature. We are sons and daughters of God by grace. Isn't that wonderful? You should take that to prayer today. And just meditate on being a prince or a princess of God. You know, when we look at the royalty uh, over in England, those people, uh, they're earthly princes and princesses and queens and whatever, kings. Um, and they were born into that. That's, you know, they didn't have any say over it, so no fault to them. But I did always um, marvel with the, the young boys, William and Harry, uh, were younger, teenagers, and, and even younger than that, I was always impressed that um, they had such confidence when they walked into a room filled with reporters and dignitaries and other nations, uh, heads of state. They walked in with complete confidence, and, and not in, a, not in uh, a tenacious or ostentatious way, just they knew who they were. They knew they were princes, and they walked in, and they, they owned who they were. How much more should we be owning who we are as princes and princesses of God himself? Can you imagine? We have been elevated above the angels by Jesus Christ, by him taking the throne with a human body. And yet we go through life so often uh, sludging through the mud as though we were uh, pigs or, or dogs returning to their vomit. No, that's not your identity. Your identity is a prince or princess of Jesus Christ. Uh, you are of royal blood. The blood of Jesus has made your blood royal. Think about that. This is, this is mind-blowing when you consider that we have a God that could be this generous. Because if you haven't noticed, most of the royal families on the planet, the earthly ones, they're not looking to open them up to the rest of the world. No, it's a very exclusive little group. And they're very happy keeping it exclusive. Not God. He wants everybody to be part of his family. And um, that's also part of our mission. Remember the last thing Jesus said before he ascended to his father. He said, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's our mission. Uh, not that you should be literally baptizing people. No, you bring them to the church. Bring them in. Invite somebody this week to come to Sunday Mass that has not been going for a while uh, or even isn't part of the church. Just say, hey, I'm going to church this Sunday. It's so wonderful when we can go and adore the Lord and thank him for all the blessings in our lives. Who would say no to that? Um, I don't know anybody, but I suppose there could be a few. But 
perhaps they just need to be invited. And before you do it, ask the Holy Spirit to go before you and ask your guardian angel to speak to their guardian angel, to get them ready to give their fiat, to give their yes, and bring them in. And then make an enjoyable day of Sunday. Go to Mass and maybe go have a little uh, lunch somewhere or, or a picnic. Or, uh, it's a day to be with family and God. That's what Sunday's for, to spend the day in as a day of rest, to be set apart from the other six days. It's a special day. Okay, so back to our, our friend Jeremiah, poor Jeremiah. Um, we have uh, the gospel today is about this. The Pharisees are saying Jesus is casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul, which is Satan. Um, what did he do? He, he uh, healed a little boy who was mute. And uh, the boy starts speaking and the crowd is amazed. And uh, these silly um, church leaders, they're so, they are also, they are also a stiff-necked people. They are a stiff-necked people. You see, these men who are running the church, the Jewish church, back 2,000 years ago, these scribes and Pharisees, oh, they've already hardened their hearts, and they've stiffened their necks, and they've turned their backs toward Jesus, and they refuse to accept any of the proof that he is the Son of God. God is in their midst, and they're calling him uh, one who is working with the power of Satan. It just doesn't get any more twisted than that. It's amazing uh, what a buffoon the devil's made out of them. But again, Jesus is so gentle and kind. He doesn't uh, shut them down or uh, reveal his his glory to, to uh, put them into a state of fear. He, he merely just points out the illogic of what they're saying. And he's always inviting them to come on board. But, you know, they don't. The devil will use anything he can to try to get a foothold in us so that he can begin to divide us from the Lord and from others. This is his calling card, division. Division, he comes to, uh, he seeks to um, kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the scriptures say. Kill, steal, destroy. But the way he does it is through first dividing. If you can divide people against each other, it makes them much more open to killing, stealing, and destroying. It's very difficult to do that when everybody's loving each other and on the same page. But that's what he does. He comes to seek, to uh, kill, see, oh my gosh, my lips aren't working, to steal, kill, and destroy. So if he can get us to have a hardened heart to the voice of the Lord, giving us that hard soil that uh, no seeds will bear fruit on, then he's winning us over to his kingdom. He's winning us over. One of the things we must do as a people of God is to constantly go before him saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We're all sinners. The only one who, Jesus, of course, is a divine person and he was God. He's never sinned. His mother, pure as the driven snow, created without uh, original sin and never committed a sin her whole life. We believe John the Baptist and St. Joseph also, uh, although they were born with original sin, actually, John was not. He was 
his his original sin was removed in the womb at the visitation between Elizabeth and Mary. But we believe they they lived uh, very righteous and sanctified lives. With we don't believe they committed uh, any mortal sins. Maybe not even any venial. Who knows? But the rest of us were a sorry lot, right? Difficult every day. Scriptures say the just man falls seven times a day. That's a just man. So think about us. It's so hard. I have gotten to the point where just getting on Highway 65 is a near occasion of sin. People drive like lunatics, and it's so difficult to keep your patience. So what I've resorted to, I alluded to it yesterday, is now I put on the Chaplet of St. Michael. It's uh, put to, uh, it's audible through, I think it's on um, Spotify, but I know it's on YouTube. And uh, that runs over and over while I'm while I'm driving it very it actually helps so much because it focuses you on the prayer and not on the drivers although I'm aware of who's around me but that's his his game you know and Jeremiah is trying to call these people back to God and they are not having it so what's going on in your life today is there a, the devil trying to get a foothold into something you're trying to do is he distracting you from your prayers? Is he putting thoughts in your head about your neighbor that are not good? Is he uh, tempting you with things that you shouldn't be doing? You have the power to say no. It's by the grace of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to teach you a little bit about temptation because this this is the number one way we get trapped is through temptation. When you are tempted, let's say you're you have a predilection towards stealing and you're walking through uh, the Walgreens and you see I don't know something catches your eye and the thought comes I need to take that I'm just going to take that and stuff it in my pocket well the minute the first thought comes in you should pause close your eyes look at Jesus on the cross look at his face look into his eyes he's still alive Look into his eyes before he's he's passed. And you say, Jesus, this is a struggle for me. This is a temptation I've been dealing with for a long time. Or maybe it's a new one, whatever it is. Please take this temptation from me and convert this to grace to go save a hundred other men and women that are going to commit the same sin. Well, you've just gone on the offensive you have come out of a defensive mode against temptation and gone in the offensive. This will drive Satan crazy. And he will test you on it a few times to make sure you're serious. But eventually, when he realizes this is how you're going to deal with temptation, he will leave you alone and pick on somebody more weak. Because not only is he losing you, but he's losing a hundred other people. And this is what Jesus did on the cross the first time. So as part of the body of Christ, when we unite uh, to Jesus on the cross as part of his body, he allows the same sort of graces to go out. What graces flowed from the cross? New life, redemption, transformation, flooding the planet with grace. And he does the same thing when we give him a temptation that's a struggle for us. It's a cross. And he will, first of all, it takes you out of the temptation, it puts you into prayer, and then it has you interceding for other people. This will work. Test it. Test it. And uh, not only will it help you, it's going to help a hundred other people, or however many. I mean, I don't know how many. The Lord can do whatever he wants. And I also say, often, put, that, put this prayer through the heart of Our Lady. 
because it's her soul that magnifies not just the Lord, but she can multiply the graces for more people to be uh, rescued from the clutches of the evil one. There's a lot in the spiritual realm that uh, we need to be doing. We need to be, uh, uh, the first thing we need to do is have knowledge of how to fight. We are in a battle. That's why we call this show Battle Ready. And the battle is fierce and it's raging right now. I don't know if you've looked. Look at the calling cards of the devil. Look at the, um, the division. I mean, I think we're at a level of division we've never seen in the world. Um, the violence, the death, the murder. I mean, more people die every day in the womb than outside the womb. I don't know if you're aware of that statistic, but it's true. Uh, so we're at an unprecedented level of evil in the world. Our Lady even said that in Medjugorje about five months ago. This is the time of the most evil that's ever been in the world. Imagine, more than before the flood. So we need to be a prayerful people. Prayer can stop wars. Prayer can change lives. So pray your rosary every day. Tomorrow, it's Friday. So Friday is our famous new day called Ask the Exorcist. And we'll have a uh, number for you to call into to ask questions of me. Uh, it can be about anything. Um, it doesn't have to be about uh, evil or the demonic. Um, and we'll try to get you some answers. And uh, last week it went pretty well. I think we had about, um, I, I forget the number, I think it was three or 400 new people that had never uh, listened before. So uh, we'll do that tomorrow. And as for today, let me give you my blessing. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great day. This is Father Dan, signing off.